Now, you know, one of the coolest things in the world would be to told the story that you just told about your depends in a football game, but I don't know if we should start with that. So we can, we can end it. End <laughs> we'll, we'll, end, we'll end it on that one yeah. for sure. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for, for driving up here and, um, and coming Absolutely. and spending time with me and thanks yeah. to your brother, Dave, thanks yeah. for driving him in and being here with him and, um, and, the, and to Billy, let's give a shout out to Billy yeah, too, I, man. Yeah, definitely a shout out to Billy. Yeah. Um, been there for me since day one. Since day one. And, yeah. and he just seems like that kind of guy that, that he's now, he's always going to be there for always. Yeah. Yeah. If he loves you, he's there for you. Yeah. That's yeah. what was really impressive about it for me. He's, um, he's, he's saved my life, Billy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we'll get de- definitely into that. What, what I wanted to start with is, you know, the, the hardest thing I think, uh, you know, that I get asked all the time is, you know, why did you want to do it? Right. Why did you want to become a SEAL? You know, why did you want to go to war? Why did you want to do all these things? And and for me, it was, you know, it was this kind of deep internal sense of service and and i was just wondering with you you know why why did you want to become a police officer so i never really wanted to become a police officer growing up when i was a little kid i always wanted to be a doctor oh wow yeah but i did have a rough childhood growing up grew up in an abusive household was it your father or was it yeah my dad yeah he he was mostly abusive to my mother Mm -hmm. never to the kids or well occasionally like my brother and sister he was abusive to them growing up as, I guess, like authoritarian, authoritative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd never witnessed that because I was younger. I was 10 and 12 years younger than my brother. And oh, sister. okay. Okay. And where did you guys grow up? So I grew up partly in Mystic Island, New Jersey. And then when my parents divorced, my mom and I moved to Margate, New Jersey for a couple of years. How old were you when you, they got divorced? Uh, I was probably about nine or 10 years old. Do you remember it? Do you remember being, have a sense of relief from it? That like, Absolute yeah, thank God. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what it, what it must be like to watch your mother, you know, take a beating for whatever it is. And most yeah. of the time it doesn't make any sense. It's, a, you know, alcohol fueled or whatever. Yeah. And it was just never really alcohol fueled. It was just, he was just angry. And was it because he was beaten as a kid? Or well, was you it? know, funny that you mentioned that. So when I went away to uh in arizona earlier this year i learned a, a lot about myself mm-hmm. i did emdr therapy yeah man and a lot of that repressed shit came out and i learned a lot of why my dad was the way he was he grew up watching his stepfather beat his mother oh wow and when my dad was old enough he went out and bought a gun off the street and shot his stepfather holy cow man yeah i had forgotten all, this all of that that huh? my mom had told me when i was younger that he had done this stuff Wow. And it finally came back and it all made sense. Wow. How old was he when he, I mean, I mean, imagine that. I mean, yeah. to, to work up the courage, you know, and I'm not to justify his, his, what he did to your mom or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to insinuate. But, you know, you, you're sitting there watching your mother being hammered by some asshole and, yeah. and to say, you know, at what age to be able to go 
and get a gun and do the deed, right? Right. Because, yeah. I mean, you, you've you pulled plenty of, you know, jerks off the street and people who have shot people, and including you. <laughs> Everybody's going to say, what are you laughing at that yeah. for? <laughs> Trust me, as we go along, you guys are going to understand why why Josh laughs at this stuff. <laughs> and that's, that's the part of his, his beautiful charm, right? Yeah. So, but imagine, you know, you're this kid. And how old was he when he did that? Did you Did you ever know? Uh, I want to say maybe a teenager. Teenager. Yeah. Cause so he, you're. He went to jail for a little while. For oh, wow. But he, never, he didn't kill him. He intended to kill him. Yeah. But he didn't know how to use a gun. So yep. he only wounded him. Wow. And then you know, the cops came and got him. Holy cow. And sent him to jail. Yeah. Instead of sending the guy to jail for beating. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, th- this is in Puerto Rico. You know, my parents are Check. From, from Puerto Rico. Okay. So it's different back, back then. Much day. different. I yeah. bet back. That's probably back in the 50s or 60s or something like that. Uh, probably 60s. 60s. Yeah. My dad was born 54. Okay. All right. Wow, man, that's intense. So, yeah. you know, as you're seeing this, then that divorce happens, and now all of a sudden you're free, your mom's free. Did you guys flourish, or was it still challenging? Well, it wasn't really like a sense of relief at first, because I was always afraid that my dad was going to find my mom and maybe wow. kill her or something. I, I always lived in fear of, of that. And that was a palpable thing that was part of your everyday thought process. Wow. Yeah. You know, he's going to find us. He's going to find. Did your mom try and reassure you that, no, he's done. We're done. It's okay. You're okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned a lot of my resiliency from my mother because based on what she dealt with, with my dad, building up the courage to leave him. You know, we initially, when we left, we lived in an apartment. It was a, I think a two bedroom apartment. We had no furniture. Our towels, our blankets and pillows were towels, like beach towels rolled up as wow. pillows and blankets. And, t- and my mom was a teacher. She was a teacher for about 30 years when she retired. Oh, wow. Where'd she teach? Yeah. In Atlantic City. Did she? Yeah. What did she teach? The younger kids. She mostly specialized in the um, disabled kids, yeah. like, like men- mentally handicapped kids. Wow. She loved, like, she loved those kind of kids. Like When other teachers didn't want those kids or couldn't handle them yeah she's like give them to me i'll take them i'll deal with them she's an angel absolute angel incredible wow man tell me about her what was she like and how did she comfort you and all these these this fear that had been built up as a result of the abuse what kind of person was she she so comforting i mean when you talk to her you just get that sense of like she's an angel like yeah. you just feel relaxed around her her voice is soft she's nurturing caring and she would always say you know it's okay we're He's not going to find us. We're going to get through this. We're going to get away from him. And, you know, she worked hard. She saved up money, got us furniture. And little by little, these things came little by little. Yeah. Until she was able to get money to buy us a house. Wow. We bought a house. And then she met my stepfather. And that helped having, like, another man with her. Yeah. Because, you know, I felt safe that if my dad came. He was a good dude, your stepdad? He's a great guy. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Guido. Guido. And yeah. and what when he showed up, were you nervous about all this, or was there just something about him that put you at ease right away? Yeah, it was something about him that put me at ease. Yeah. He was just real, real kind. He does he, soft-spoken, funny. Yeah. Really nice guy. That's awesome. And the, your the, mom was happy. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's important. And then also, like, my brother and sister, they accepted him. So, you know, I saw, okay, if they're okay with him, then. He's got to be okay. Right, right. And they're, and them being that much older, they were your idols, your heroes. And yeah, yeah. They, they, they held on to that. We're, yeah, my brother, especially, you know, he was my father figure, really. Yeah. Tell me about that relationship. 
so my brother, 10 years older than me, mm-hmm. he was twice, maybe three times the size I am. Okay. He was big dude, he was a bodybuilder, 6'3", 200-something pounds. Holy, what happened to you, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> man. Best part of me dripped down my dad's leg. <laughs> oh, dude, that was a big softball for you on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. I'll loot. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. So, so, you, so I always respected him. Yeah. I was terrified of him. Of your brother? Yeah. Was your brother a tough guy? Was he, Very tough. Yeah, yeah. Was he a fighter on the street? Was he, you know, or was he kind of fair about the way he looked at the world? He was fair the way he looked at the world. He never really got into fights. He was into sports. He yeah. played basketball, loved basketball. And he always tried to get me to do, like, play basketball. And to, but I was never into basketball. I liked baseball. Yeah. And I, I wanted to play football, but I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to play football because uh, I, I wasn't allowed to get any head injuries. Why? Why was that? So when I was born, I had uh, two big blood clots on my head. That's right. That's right. You're telling tell everybody about yeah. this because this, you know, if you're li- when you're listening right now, this comes back to be a significant <laughs> part of the story in the future. So explain yeah. that what happened and, and and what that was like for you, your mom and. You know, and the scare that you had with those blood clots. Yeah, so I guess it was trauma from being born, going through the birth canal. I, yeah, I was born just fine. I had small blood clots on my head, on both sides. My head looked like a heart shape. My mom said, mm-hmm. but over time, you know, the doctors said it would go away, but over time, they slowly began to grow, until it came to the point that my mom took me to a specialist, and he had to drain the yeah, this fluid out of my head. So, you, how, what age was that? Newborn, I don't know. Yeah, so you had a, a, a <laughs> you had a screw go into your head, right? Crack, go through your cranium to drain these blood clots, which I'm sure caused some calcification in the skull around, you know, your gray matter. Yeah, so yeah. And, yeah, I'm not sure if it was like in the skull or underneath. I have no idea. Right, but can you imagine that as your mom? You know what I mean? And you got this newborn baby, and all of a sudden. You know, this immediate issue with your head and your brain and all that, man, that must have been petrifying for her. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she always stayed hopeful, as she always does. You know, she remained hopeful and faithful. faithful always. God. Big, big God. She, My mom, yeah. Yeah, right. When was the first time you started to understand the magnitude of her faith and how it supported her? Uh, I want to say when she got diagnosed with breast cancer. Your mom got breast cancer? Yeah. How old was she when that happened? How old were you? Uh, I was probably about 12 years old, maybe. So divorce happened after being abused. Yeah. Divorce, living in a one-room apartment, and then she gets breast cancer. Yeah. Yep. Holy God, she's hard as nails, yeah, man. Yeah. But And still stayed sweet, didn't become bitter, didn't absolutely become anything. Not. Nope. Wow. And she always remained hopeful and faithful that, you know, I was terrified. Yeah. Now, here, here I go, worried about my mom getting killed by my dad. Now she gets breast cancer. You know, you always, at that time I was young, so I'm like, everybody dies from breast yeah, cancer. Yeah, right. any cancer. From any cancer, yeah, it's the end. So now I'm terrified. And she always said, honey, you know, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this. I'm going to get through this. Right. And, you know, just as you think life is going great, you know, you get fucking shot or whatever you hit. <laughs> I, I don't know if everybody says you get shot. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, you're, you're maybe you're, I wanted to. You're, you're, I mean, in, I guess in some circles in my world, that's a legit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you get shot, and then yeah. you have to readjust. But yeah. no, holy shit, Josh. I mean, 
so your your mom goes through breast cancer you know you're you're in this space at, at what point did you start going hmm maybe becoming a police officer is a good idea so my brother actually became a police officer oh wow okay yeah and i was in high school i was in my senior year he became a police officer and i had no aspirations about what i wanted i know i wanted to go to college i just didn't know what i wanted to do mm -hmm. so i figured i'd go to community college for a couple of years figure out what i want to do then i would transfer transfer to a uh, university or something right and my brother's like hey i was working at uh, tropicana at carmine's it was a waiter right and i was making great money at the time i bet i bet man like i was you know, 18 years old making all this money all cash yeah and my brother's like why don't you uh, become a police officer i'm like uh why yeah he's like well you know it's good benefits good pay it's guaranteed money and you have a future set up for yourself. You had a pension, all right. this other stuff. Why, so, why did Why did your brother want to become a police officer? What where, where was the influence there? Was it just for job security and long term security, and that's kind of why he did it? Or I, I did believe, he have a sense that he wanted to go get on the streets and police up bad guys and stuff? I believe the security aspect of it, like uh, financial security. Yeah, and he also wanted to transfer it to be a firefighter. Oh, okay. All his, right. His all-time dream job was being a firefighter yeah everybody's all-time dream job is want to be a firefighter right yeah yeah right <laughs> they're like i get on the force and then i'll go over and get the get the job in the firehouse where they make dinners and hang out and <laughs> get the occasional difficulty breathing every now and then right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll tell you what one of the funnest things in the world was was it being in new york city when i went through my medical training and i worked on the ambulances and and we'd do half in the ambulances, half in the ER. And, and I'd get to go to all these awesome firehouses throughout New York, right? Whether it was Queens or Brooklyn or the Bronx or whatever and Manhattan. And, and man, I always just loved the mentality in there, right? It yeah. was just, there was everybody, it was family. Yeah, there absolutely. was this family to it. And, and I think, you know, especially after 9-11, you know it, it intensified and even grew more so i, I bet that was a, a a strong uh allure for your brother to go be a part of that family too probably yeah yeah, yeah. because he was since from a kid he was into being a firefighter yeah like the uh fire prevention week he would do the posters and he would win uh the the contest of drawing contest because he was a good drawer oh wow yeah that's where'd that come from where'd that artistic <laughs> no stuff? Idea, are you I, do you are you an artist too hell no <laughs> I draw a mean ass stick figure though. <laughs> I figured your talent was short. Yeah. yeah, yeah all right. All right. Yeah. So, so your brother goes in. You're you're killing it as a as a waiter at the Tropicana and AC. You're probably having a ball doing it too. Probably living the life. Good time. Yeah. Good time. Right. Yeah. And and what made you go? All right. I'm gonna give all this fun up to actually be serious about what my life looks like. And how long did that take? didn't take that long i mean i respected him so i knew he knew what he was talking about and then he said something to me about you know protecting people and all that and there's just something that clicked like i guess i went back to my childhood thinking yeah. about my mom and just clicked like all right i want to protect people too yeah and that's a, that i in what's an interesting thing to me is um you know, I, I and I've 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 had the opportunity when I was at Blackwater, we, we got a lot of police officers from all over the country would come through, and we'd get to train them a little bit and work with them. And and I always would say, you know, what's the hardest call you've ever been on? And the overwhelming majority of guys would just look at me, and they're like, domestic violence calls are the worst. Yeah, because you go in 
and many times you go in and these you know these women are demolished mm -hmm. and they're sitting there and then it, it comes down to it and they look at you and they're like all right i don't want to press charges right and they pass on that and you're just like holy cow yeah you know that that for them was like the most debilitating thing so and I learned, so I always had a hard time responding to domestic violence calls. Did you? And I never understood why until I went and got the EMDR treatment. Right. Everything just, everything just made sense from that moment forward. Well, that, I want to get um, into that for sure, that, that, that moment where things become clear. Because I, I think one of the, one of the things that, that I see not only in our community, but also in, in first responders, in terms of police officers, firefighters, you know, there's this, these, these drivers to, for us to to want to pursue these avenues of 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 service whether it is you know at whatever level it is and it's usually a derivative of some type of trauma or some type of 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 deep-rooted inspiration within us to to overcome some type of adversity from our past right. yeah and then to help others and to help others that's it right yeah, yeah. because we couldn't help when we were younger we Absolutely. couldn't make a difference when we were younger yeah all right, so how, how long did it take, and when were you like, all right, all right, I'm going to give up this, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go through the academy, and was there a prep period? Was did you hem and haw? Did you did you did you procrastinate, and and if so, why? I, I did hem and haw, but uh, I think it was, I had one bad weekend at work where I didn't make as much money as I expected to make, right? And I was trying to get a new car, mm -hmm. so I'm like, shit, you know, I missed out on this money whatever and i'm like yeah it makes sense yeah, he was making good money at the time he told me what i could potentially make and not that it was easy money but it was guaranteed money yeah so i just figured all right let me just go for it all right and then he made me promise he's like no no matter what happens you have to stick with it but he also told me before i put the application and put two applications put the police and the fire one at the same time in case i didn't like the police job okay i could transfer to the fire department with him because he was number one on the fire fireman's list okay and he was like so excited he would always call me out of nowhere he'd be bro 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 i gotta tell you something i'm like what and he'd sing that song fire <laughs> that's all he would say to me <laughs> just over and over fire yeah, he was so excited he, he was like, stoked huh? he's he like that's all i wanted to say all right bye and he'd hang up and that was it yeah and just that little inspiration was enough wasn't it to yeah. to because you we we when you love somebody in those in that depth right just little things that they give you like little nuggets whether it's humor and for i know for you it's a big part is humor right oh, just absolutely. dropping those little humor bombs on little yeah. joke bombs on them and, you know with it on dave sitting over here laughing too he's <laughs> just like yep that's the way it is man yeah. and, and it's funny you know just those little little things those little those little um um, moments of motivation or those little triggers of inspiration, right? Yeah. Are the things that can reshape our whole focus in life and, and change directions for us. So as you're going now, you roger up and you sign up and you, and you start into the academy. I, I know things got, got challenging for you then. Yeah. So actually before that, the most challenging thing was having to cut my hair for the academy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have like long hair? Did you slick it back? Yeah, no, it was spiked up. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. You had that nice spike shot shaved on the side. Nice high and tight look going. Yeah. Okay. So, so shaving it all. My brother was one that shaved it off for me because he was driving me to the, uh, to get sworn in. Okay. So he shaved it off before we went there and we had a great time with it. 
we actually had it on video camera, like recording it. Oh wow! So uh, he was he shaved it, left the mohawk. He's like, bro. He's like, look at the camera and say, I pitted a fool. I don't think anybody that's ever like from our era that hasn't had a mohawk hasn't said I've been before, right? Yeah. God bless you, Mr. T. Thank you for destroying all of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's got to be awesome. We had a great time with it. And then it's funny, man, when I, when I was going into the Navy, I had real long hair. I was just a a worthless piece back when I was coming out of college and I had long hair and, and, my best friend, Rich, who is a Marine, right, in the Marine Reserves, and, and he had gone in right after high school, so he was pretty squared away by then. And he's like, man, you got to cut your hair first, hippie. And he, I was like, you do it. He's like, gladly, right? <laughs> and so he came over in big ponytail, and he snipped that off, and he's, like, whipping me in the face with it. He's like, no more hippie bullshit, right? And then he shaves my – and then we got the razor out, and we shaved my head going in. And, and it was one – again, it was one of those fun moments, man, one of those real big – you know, transitional moments in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So then you know, I, got, I get sworn in. I go to the academy. First day, you know, they make you beat your face till your your hands are almost bleeding. Right. And it was February, so it was cold as hell outside. <laughs> Snowing hard as shit. You know, we're out there beating our faces. Yeah. Hardest day. First day was the hardest day. Yeah. So, you know, I get, I get done to the academy. You're like, wait a minute. Drop Canada. I... I could get back there yeah. this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah my, right. my resignation wasn't completely, <laughs> ink wasn't dried yet. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I call him and he's like, you know, how was your first day? I'm like, it was fucking terrible. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, no, just stick with it. He's, you know, it, it'll be worth it in the end. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell one of the instructors to give you a really hard time. I'm like, nah, man, I'm like, don't do that, bro, please. I'm like, it's already hard enough. He's like, well, you know, the harder you work, the harder you uh, play basically yeah. he's like you know it'll strengthen you in the future as a yeah. police officer he's like because it ain't easy being on these streets in Atlantic City no so I was like alright whatever you know and that was it the next day came they didn't really give me a hard time but got done the academy it was still hard because we ran miles at the right. time and talked to him he's like hey you know did they give you a hard time I'm like nah he's like alright well I'll make sure they, they do what they're supposed to yeah so, and last thing he said to me was bro bro before I hang up Fire. Oh, man. And then that was the last I spoke to him. Yeah. And then I got woken up later on that early in the morning. Knock, a, knock at the door. Wake up. I was staying at my then girlfriend's house at the time. And I look at the people and there's two cops standing out there. So I'm like, fuck, man, I'm in trouble. I'm not. I was supposed to be staying at my brother's house. I'm yeah. Like, I'm in trouble. I'm like, you know, you're, you're a recruit. Yeah. Terrified. So Every I, little thing you do, you think it's going to get you kicked out. Yeah. yeah. So I open the door and they're like, Good morning, sir. Are you Josh Lee Vidal? I'm like, yes, sir. And they flat out told me, your brother died tonight. Oh, God. And I just, I freaked out, man. I'm, I couldn't believe it. You know, I ran into the into the house. I sort of beat my head on the wall like this. This, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. I beat my head on the wall, crying. They calmed me down. They're like, you know, we have to go now. We have to go take you down to the police station. So I get in the police car. They're driving me down. And I'm asking all kinds of questions. Who did it? What had happened? Like, yeah. How did it happen? And they're like, you know, we don't know. They just told us what that he that he died and to pick you up and bring you to the police station in Lancaster. Wow. City. So, um, you know, nobody had any answers. So I get to the police station and they sit me down in a room, and you know, they give their condolences and they said, you know, it looks like it's looking like it was a suicide. Wow. And again, I said, no fucking way, my brother didn't kill himself. And I lost it again. They're like, well, you know. 
it's preliminary investigation, but it's looking like it was. And, you know, I was doubtful. Like, no, absolutely not. Just in shock, utter yeah, shock and disbelief. Shock. Yeah. He was my brother's my, my hero. Yeah. And you, and just also to have that that conversation with him just before. Yeah. yeah. A few hours before. Yeah. yeah. And no signs. No, None, no nothing. Not having any deep conversations about depression, about it, his, his trauma, you and your brother. Nothing. None no, of that stuff nothing, at all. No. No, he was he was engaged at the time, right? And he was before he got engaged, he was kind of hesitant about it, like he's questioning whether he should or shouldn't. But he's like, you know, I'm getting older, maybe I should time time to settle down. Yeah. And they were on the rocks, but they were working things out. And I don't, he didn't leave a note or anything. It just he got done work, went home that night. I guess got into an argument with his. They were broken up, so it was a like girlfriend, fiance. Yeah. I don't know what the hell the title was at the time. And then he just went into the room and. Put the gun in his mouth and shot. And that was it. That was it. Is it, you know, I think, you know, with all the the friends of mine I know and and wives or or brothers or sisters or or whomever that have experienced suicide, you know, and there is no note, there is no buildup, there is no sense that, all right, something's wrong, something's coming, um, it really creates a, a, a challenging situation to try and understand why or justify it. it. Did you struggle with that pretty pretty significantly? I, I did for years until earlier this year. I, I struggled. Okay. You know, my brother died in 2007. Okay. So it's been 12 years. Wow. And until this year, going through what I, what I went through and getting my own kind of help is when I finally came to terms that he probably did. He probably, whatever he was suffering with, he couldn't deal with it or at the time you know it wasn't cool or okay even now it's still a taboo yeah. subject to reach out to somebody and talk about it yeah it's it's amazing to me and and you know that's a, a big focus in 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 my life because you know as as i was telling you a couple of weeks ago when i met you in, in in ac you know a friend of mine overdosed about two two months ago and you know it's just like you you, you want to be able to f- you know, it's like, why can't the world come running? Right. You know, yeah. especially when people are trying to do some good, right? Exactly. And trying to make a difference in some kind of way. Why, why can't we just have everybody run to them and prop them up and say, hey, no, you're good. We'll get you through this. We'll help you process all whatever's driving you towards these inclinations. Right. You know, and, and it just it, it saddens me to, to imagine, you know, because I'm, I'm willing to, you know, bet a lot on it that that wasn't the first time he had been in that spot where he would contemplated it significantly right yeah i'm sure yeah yeah it had to have been like a not lifelong but maybe a really long time thinking of it well i mean it probably started when you know he was getting abused by your father you know yeah. and, and when wanting to escape that and not being able to as a child and that that fear you live in in that space with abuse and and you know the the what all the you know, the neuroscientists are saying is that that level, that kind of trauma where you you can't escape the beating, so to speak, right? The, yeah. the metaphorical beating and then the fear of thinking that it's coming is really what, what chews people away. You know, it, it tears them down. So right. how, what did you do? How did you respond? Did you, did you get go back to work? Did you get back at it? And I did. I'm, so I found some solace in the physical aspect, you know, being at the academy, mm-hmm. 
so that anger and rage that I felt inside and sadness would go away when I was working out. So you know, doing the PT every day would kind of help me get get through that, just get through that day. Yeah. Until you know, a few weeks in, I started dwelling on my brother being at the same academy a couple years before. Wow. And then I started thinking he was here just a couple of years doing the same exercises and that shit started like way on me. Yeah. And I, I reached out to one of the uh, sergeants like, hey, you know, I need help, which took a lot for me because, you know, it oh, was okay. man, you don't we're, we don't ask for help. Right. Absolutely. No, not. hell yeah. no. And, and especially when you when you grow up in a culture of violence. Yeah, it's it's now you defend yourself, but you don't you don't reach out and say no i'm i'm struggling man it's right. it's especially you know i was 19 years old yeah oh, oh, oh no way <laughs> yeah you need to figure that stuff out son you need to buck up right and that's exactly what i was told yeah it, it was by the yeah. sergeant no no absolutely not oh yeah. i was gonna say what's his number let's go over to his house <laughs> right fucking now you know yeah no i, I would have handled that if it was, <laughs> you know if it was the sergeant yeah but now they sent me to a, a specialist a psychologist who basically told me you know you're a man you're gonna be a police officer People die. You got to learn to deal with it. That's what this idiot told you. Yeah. That, and 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 right there is the reason, you know. I think why people in our world suffer as much as they do. Absolutely. Because whether you're going to some idiot psychologist who tells you to buck up, or you go to the VA and you have somebody staring at you who's, you know, fresh out of getting their associate's degree and and whatever and and they're like 28 years old and they and you know you're telling them about combat and they're like and they give you yeah. the textbook response of how to manage your shit and you're just like what the hell am i doing you know exactly yeah. so how it's did hard. you how did you i mean did that just drive you more into a, a state were you battling depression were you battling Absolutely. anxiety all yeah. of it I, yeah at the time i didn't know yeah yeah now that i'm older wiser i do know it's bad on depression anxiety Every, anger, anger every yeah every, you know ptsd yeah at the time yeah and you know i did what we all do alcohol was amen my, alcohol is my buddy yeah for best friend mm -hmm. absolutely especially you get that half bottle in yeah and you're just when it starts to hit numb you know and and you know I, I, amen i've been there for sure yeah. i'd be at the bar you know and all that rage, rage and anxiety would be compounded from the alcohol and i'd get into a fight at the bar yeah yeah, to to get rid of it, right? Yeah. It, isn't it isn't it interesting how you know in that space where you're so you're so vulnerable, right? You're so, you're you're almost childlike in your inability to to process everything. It's just so overwhelming that the first thing that we want to do is we want to be aggressive, right? Yeah. Somehow that if we if we start beating on something like that translates to long-term strength right? <laughs> right yeah i punched this weak person who's annihilated right and right. i'm beating the snot out of them and that's like oh i'm gonna be good now you know yeah. like well, you're so jacked up like or even the other side of that coin like even getting hit yeah you know, like like yeah hit me fucking harder you know? yeah like that that pain that physical pain almost makes you feel alive yeah yeah like it's real uh -huh. like it's real and that and that that'll distract you like and almost and and when you really get into the evaluations from a, a psychological perspective it's 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 hey transfer that pain physically right right the pain that's in here it's easier for me to understand it if i'm wearing it and i can see it and exposed to the stuff that's inside you can't see right yeah yeah
Dave and I were just talking about this on the on the ride up here. Uh, I said to him, I wish at the time it was like nowadays, you know, people know to look for something wrong, like an emotional problem with somebody. Like nobody had the sense at the time to say, you know what, Josh is off drinking every night, getting in bar fights. You know, nobody saw, nobody thought that, hey, you know, maybe he needs help. Yeah. They all just said, oh, he's a fucking asshole. He's out drinking and getting into fights. He's a young asshole. Yep, that's what it is. And and, and also, you got to remember, man, you know, the the culture of, of our communities, that's built in, right? right? It's yeah. built into a nest that's your own self-medication, right? It's built into, you know, you know, take the pills and to and to drink yourself and right, do it right. it's built in and like it's it's like and hey man buck up it, oh you can't figure it out all right just go to the bar and shut up and 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 then it's like oh if you do start acting out it's like hey man please yourself up we we still want you to drink and pop pills but we we don't want you you know you got to keep the fighting under wraps you right, know exactly. just beat the shit out of the perpetrators you're 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 wrapping up on Basically, the street right yeah, yeah. and for us it's like no, 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 no. You just, we, we like the violence. We, we, we don't want to temper that because we need you to go kill bad guys. So, you know, we, 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 you keep that going, but only do it overseas, right? right? You know, yeah. only do yeah. it overseas. Only do it when you're in a combat mission. Don't do it anywhere yeah. else, yeah. right? Keep that shit policed up. Yeah. And you're like, like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, do. exactly. Because it's been going on for, you know, decades, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So at that point, you're on the job. How, 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 how long into it was that? Are you, are, you know, all the signs and symptoms are obviously they're, they're, uh, intensifying, you know, w- w- was, what was going on in your brain like six, seven months into the job? I really, I mean, I just try to stay busy yeah. to keep myself from thinking of my brother. Like workaholic busy? That much, yeah, yeah, like, go, yeah, going out in the street, you know, trying to arrest as many guys as I could, right? Make as much of a difference as I could. Oh, so it did turn up, it turned into um, a positive thing where, yeah, if, if, I, if I'm doing good, that alleviates the pain too, yeah, for a little bit, yes, okay. Like, mostly like the high action stuff, like getting to the calls, like driving fast or doing just doing dangerous stuff, really, yeah, man. Like, I've, I've always been an adrenaline junkie, you yeah. have. Yeah, so, you know, dri- driving fast to calls or you know chasing guys with guns. Yeah, getting in the like a fight, like a guy resisting if he's kicking my ass or whatever. You know, like that always just kept me busy and gave me a little bit of solace. It's interesting, man. You 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 know, I, I, you know people are listening to that and, and and it sounds like it's you're speaking Swahili, right? You're like, <laughs> what the fuck is this guy talking about? It getting in fights getting his butt kicked on the street by bad guys and that makes him feel better what but that's that's you know it, you know when you live in this space and 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 you don't understand how to uh, connect on a deep emotional plane what do we do we 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 try and bury it and bury it and bury it and and if you're a physical person there's ways to bury that for sure in that yeah, capacity sure. yeah all right, so when did, um, how long in before uh, your event happened? So I got on in 2007. And so you were on for a while. Yeah. Yeah, you were on for a while. Did it, and, and in that time, you, you, you got married, right? You met yeah. Laura and got, explain that whole process. Did, 
did, Dude, did she was, bring you some peace or, or did you feel a absolutely different? yeah explain that for us so too. that was it's funny we were just talking about it the other day also my wife and i how um the way everything worked out the way her and i met like one little detail would have been changed my entire life would have been different wow so my wife was best friends with dave's wife they grew up together cool that's really cool yeah so i met her through through dave's wife and it was a chance encounter where i was at the bar yeah coincidentally i was at the bar with friends dave's wife comes in the bar and you know everybody knows her she's like you want to go back to my house and you know play Wii? this is when the Wii just yeah yeah so dave was sleeping because i think he might have had to work or something Uh uh-huh so we go back to her house we're playing the Wii, and my wife was roommates with them okay See, she had just come home from work it's five o'clock in the morning she had just come home from work i'm like wow who's this girl <laughs> so yeah i started talking to her yeah and she had putting actually, his moves on yeah. how's his moves dave are they like, he does have yeah. moves get out of here okay all right so good. i was like that you know we met that night and then we didn't see each other for maybe like a couple months and then again out of the bar yeah you're out I'm like, hey you know Oh, no, I was actually working. I was training. Okay. My training officer lived next door to where Dave and his wife lived. Okay. And I saw my wife walk into the car. I'm like, who's that girl? She's and you had forgotten you met her? or Yeah, because I was so far away. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, she's hot. Like, who's that? Yeah. So my uh, my training officer, she's like, oh, that's you know Dave Shapiro and his girlfriend's roommate. I'm like, oh, I fucking know her. <laughs> so I went over and I... Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I went over. I talked to her. She I was moving out of her... I guess her parents' house, or she had stuff at her at her parents' house that she needed to pick up. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'll help you. You know, I got a, I got a SUV. I can load everything up. So you know, here you go, schmoozing. Yeah, moves. Yeah. So we exchanged numbers, and then I helped her move out. And here we are. And that was it. Later. Yep, that's all she wrote. Twelve years later. What are. was the connection? What was uh, it about so, you know about what? her that that was that you knew that was it? She reminded me of my mom. Yeah, man. Yeah nurturing caring yeah. soft-spoken just a good-hearted woman yeah she's a teacher too right my wife yeah no she's actually in school right now oh her. that's right that's right she's going to school okay yeah, she's okay. going to school for her bachelor's in nursing okay wow man and and so did you feel that sense of ease like that peace that that came over you yeah with and her you, yes. yeah and, and then all of a sudden she straightened me out you know once she got pregnant with our first daughter mm-hmm. once the baby was born i that really set me straight. Yeah, man. There's something bigger than me in life now. Holy cow. Remember that first time you hold her? No. Holy shit. For me, it was this massive, because I, I had been, I'd been in Afghanistan for most of the pregnancy. I get home a month later, not even, like three weeks later, have the baby. You know, I, I, I get to deliver the baby and I'm holding, you know, Blair and, or the bear and, and, I'm sitting there, man, and I realized in that moment, I go, like, I imagined, you know, this all the way to walking her down the aisle and everything uh, in between, absolutely. and I was, and I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. Yep. And that scared the shit out of me. And I was like, if I don't figure out how to be a better human being, absolutely. I'm going to mess this up. Yep. Yeah. You, you know, that moment holding her and then I've, the fact of changing the diaper. Oh, you know, like God. The, fir- the first diaper, I'm like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> My wife, she's like, just jump right in. 
I'm like, all right. And I just, there was something inherent about it. Like, I just knew what to do. Yeah. Right? You know, wipe this way. With her guidance, you know, wipe this way, wipe this way, do this. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. And then it just sat in like, holy shit, I got to raise a human being when I can barely take care of myself. Yeah, right? <laughs> I got all my stuff that I'm dealing with, all my stuff in my own head, yeah. all my stuff from my past. And and now this 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 human being is is who's who's half me right right (laughs) you know too bad sweetie but uh you know (laughs) yeah but i've got to figure this out and and it 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 forces change in us absolutely yeah well for some of us i mean some people don't don't allow themselves to change right yeah you're right yeah i mean i changed a little bit but then i went back to the same thing i was still dealing with the stress of the job yeah stress of being a new dad so you know i would go out drinking again yep and then I got I got hurt at work actually not too long after, before after my first daughter was born. Mm-hmm. So I was I had a couple surgeries from the incident. Oh wow! And then I was which was actually turned out to be a good thing because I was able to calm be there. down. Yeah, I was able yeah. to calm down. I was able to be there to raise her. Yeah, because my wife was working. Okay, we, we were engaged. So she was working, and the the department was actually trying to fire me over the injury. Oh wow. Because the doctor said I had reached maximum medical improvement, yep. so I wasn't um, fit for duty. Yeah. So they were moving to fire me, so I had no pay for a year. Oh wow! Isn't it crazy how that stuff goes down, it's man? Insane. Yeah, that was one of the other um, aspects of adversity that I faced in my career. Yeah, is the the challenges for bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's extreme. My wife kicked ass and you know, continued working to support us. Wow, she—I I can't wait to meet her, bro. All right, so yeah. you're—how many? It's like six years in, seven years, seven, right? Seven, seven years yeah. in, and and why don't you walk us through it? But walk us through it by—and and Billy had called and said, "Hey, man, you, you make sure he tells the context of what was happening, okay, and the yeah. lead up to it, and all the craziness that was going on around Atlantic City at the time." Right. So not only in Atlantic City, but in the country. So a couple months prior were the Dallas police shootings. Yeah. You know, deadliest day in law enforcement. It's besides nine eleven. Yep. And so you know we were all thinking about you know these guys all got assassinated at work. So my partner and I, I, I worked the uh, overnight shifts, mm-hmm. and my partner and I, we'd always like talk about what we would do if, God forbid, we had gotten fired upon. Yeah. And, and we, I always had my head on a swivel, and likewise, he was always, we were always scanning. Like if we did a, a stop on somebody, you know, the parking garages were in Dallas. These guys were shot from elevated positions. So if we were stopping somebody. I'd always be scanning the parking garages or hotels or whatever, just making sure nobody was going to fire on us. Yeah. So we always had this plan. If, you know, if one of us goes down, you know, just, you know, empty the mag on whoever's shooting us. Mm-hmm. And it, there was always that sense of, like, not fear, but just, like, what if kind of. Yeah, well, and that's part of that hypervigilance that, yeah. that after a certain period of time becomes the constant right and 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 our state of being and and i don't think a lot of people understand the effects of what that does to always be in consideration of 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 the fact that at any minute you could die and that 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 alters perspective dramatically too yeah so you know we had the dallas police shootings and then leading up to that i think it was the week of there was a 
shootout, a rolling gun battle on the expressway, the Atlantic City Expressway coming into Atlantic City. That's like a Tuesday, though, on in that, right? Yeah, That's like a basically. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> Maybe Monday morning, a little bit. Of yeah, yeah, right, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you know, rolling gun battle war. I believe one person was killed, five were injured. Wow. And and then after that, there was another shooting as a uh, retaliation homicide from that shooting in the city and then a couple of days later that week there was a what we thought was an active shooter at our outdoor shopping area mm-hmm. the uh the walk but it was a lover's quarrel where a guy went into a store shot his ex-wife's new boyfriend then walked across the street to where she was working and said i just killed your boyfriend and then put the gun to his chest i believe and shot himself wow so now now we're thinking holy shit there's an active shooter and we have beach concerts coming up which is i think blink 182 wow and yeah billy says like eighty thousand people on the beach yeah holy Crazy. that's that's madness right there miss america build up to miss america wow and then on top of that there was a tropical or a hurricane or tropical storm about to hit the city holy cow so it was just a week of madness yeah and then friday night my incident happens now, before we get into that, you know, are you good? You need to yeah. break it. No, no, I'm good. Right. Uh, you know, um, I, I just, you know, I got, you know, I've, I've, I've been around a lot of people that have told really incredible stories, but I, I just want to preface this yours with yours is right at the top of, of this and, and not to set you up for a little pressure or anything like that, but, um, it, and the reason is because your perspective on it is so fantastically clear. And and just the fact, Josh, that you are willing to come on and, and share this with our listeners for me means the world. And it also means the world for me personally when you first, you know, started sharing some of it with me a couple of weeks ago. So I just want to thank you again, man. This is Absolutely. a this is a, a huge very important thing for people to hear and how to process and to recognize that going through trauma at this level or any level, um, there's a place on the other side of it that is very healthy and you can Absolutely. live with it and you can be, um, you can be okay. So yeah, yeah. you just gotta be okay with asking for help. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. All right, brother. Have at it, man. Okay. So that, so this is Friday, September 2nd. I was getting ready for work. I had the same routine every night. I you know, I would sleep. I'd get home from work at about 8 o'clock in the morning, sleep for a few hours, wake up, get my kids from school, come home, you know, play with them, help them with homework. Do and that. how many kids did you have by now? At that time, two. My okay. wife was pregnant with the third. Okay. Wife's pregnant with the third. You have two kids. Yeah. How far into her pregnancy is she? She was, at that time, was nine months. Wow. Yeah. So, and she was at work. You know, she was still working, killing it at work. Of course she help. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course she is, because she's, a, she's the hardest, one, the toughest way. lady on the East Coast. Absolutely. Way yeah. tougher than me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did dinner, had dinner together with the family. My wife's favorite thing to do then, even now, we still do it, although a little bit differently. We would finish dinner, have coffee out on the front porch watch the kids play, you know, ride their bikes or scooters on the sidewalk and just have, have a good time just yeah. being kids. You know, I, it gives me so much joy to watch them be kids Yeah, and just play. 
and um, not in fear not in fear not at yeah, all amen. just you know so innocent yeah not not a care in the world just being kids yeah and you know we were looking up at the sky and i was debating you know we had this storm coming in my wife was feeling crampy she's like you know this baby's coming any any day Mm -hmm. so i had called out from work two days and i the way atlantic city works when you call out of work you're supposed to call back in to come into work okay so i was out for two days and then i'm thinking maybe i shouldn't call into work because you know if i get stuck i I had to work at hurricane sandy Mm -hmm. we got stuck there for a couple days so I'm thinking I can't be stuck in the city if my wife goes into labor. Right. So I was thinking about calling out. And she's like, babe, I don't think you should. Maybe you should just save your days for when the baby is here. You, know, you can use all your time and spend it with us when yeah. the baby's here. So I was like, all right, fine. I call into work, go to work, go inside. I'm getting showered up, same routine, I shower. My wife was in the tub. And um, I always, I love making my wife laugh. Yeah. So our shower is glass shower connected to our tub. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting in the tub bathing. And you know me being me, I'm lathered up. I put my 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 shit on the on the glass thing, and I'm you know I'm dancing, you know, making a division symbol and stuff. You know? <laughs> I usually joke that I was doing teaching a long division. But it, was, it was really it was really decimals, you know. I was really teaching decimals, fractions, yeah. bro, fractions. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Oh my god. So then, um, no shit, I I start. Oh, sorry, excuse You're me. Good. I, I start manscaping. Yeah. And then, you know, she's breaking my balls about it. She's like, why are you doing that? Who are you doing that for? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that for anybody. I'm just doing it in case I get shot. You know, I need to be presentable for oh, the nurses. no way. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Famous last words. So I'm oh, like, you know, in case God. I get shot, I need to be presentable. So because she was giving me a hard time, I'm, I, I didn't finish. Like, I did like a half-assed job. So I finished. She got the boat and the mohawk going. <laughs> I pitied the fool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking landing strip. <laughs> It's like when a chia pet, when the seeds first start growing, you know, (laughs) only only one side's grown. Oh God! Oh my God! (laughs) So I I I finished, and I I help her out of the tub because I didn't want her to slip and fall. I'm getting ready. I always like to look perfect when I went to work. Yeah, gig line straight. Yeah, made sure everything was good, and. uh my kids come in, mommy, you know, can we lotion your feet? So they put all this lotion on her feet, loaded her up. She couldn't walk. Normally she walked me downstairs, give yeah. me a kiss, have a good night, you know, get home safe. And I'd always say, I'm going to come home every night. Yeah. And never worry about it. So that night she had so much lotion on her feet, she couldn't come downstairs. And do the traditional do thing. Do the traditional thing. So she, I give her a kiss in the bed. All right, honey, I'll see you in the morning. Give my kids each a kiss. Good night. Off to work I went. Yeah. Driving into work, I could just hide it like a sense of like a weird sense of feeling going into work like it's fucking memorial day weekend it's gonna be a crazy ass night yeah and it's summer city's on fire you know got all these people coming in for the concert it's gonna be a crazy night so i get to roll call in typical fashion we all do you know we break each other's balls yeah we had just gotten the uh the ballistic helmets yeah so yeah you know, i pick one up off the desk and i put it on my head and i'm like like laughing because it was so big i'm like oh look i look like beetle bailey yeah and i'm like when the fuck are we ever gonna need these Again, another Famous one. Famous last words, you know. So finish roll call. We get to the car, loading the car. Hey, up. by the way, it's not last words. Famous, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. yeah. Famous dumbass words <laughs> yeah, before an incident. Yeah, famous dumbass words before an incident, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I promise, uh, listeners, we're we're coming in for this landing in a minute. Yeah. Or actually, maybe taking off. Yeah, we're taking off. Yeah. 
So finished roll call, get in the car. I drove. I used to drive every night because I love to drive. You know, as I said before, I, driving the calls, getting there fast was my favorite thing to do. Of course it is. We, we had the V8 Caprices, so you, oh know, you, you, could, my. you could slide the car. You could out totally around. slide. They were heavy enough, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, oh my god, a cat stuck in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. So you know, I began driving that night, and as with any profession, I don't really care who you are. You like to have fun at work. You need to have fun at Absolutely. work. Absolutely, especially under stress. Yeah. Yeah. So that night, my partner and two of our other friends, Danny and Jesse, who were in a separate car, somebody came up with the idea: let's have a burnout or a donut contest, <laughs> because in these cars you can defeat the yeah. uh, crash control. And yeah. Do, so we went to a secluded area, which is a cul-de-sac. We're doing donuts and so training. Then, You're doing training. Yeah, yeah, we're training, training. vehicle ops. Your vehicle, vehicle ops, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I in the academy I won the driving award. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, you know, you guys aren't gonna beat me. So I let them go first and then I went and they're like, All right, yeah, you fucking killed it, you won. Yeah. So then my, my partner Tom, he's like, right, can I try? I'm like, All right, yeah, sure, I'll let you try. So he gets in his in his seat, he does it, sucked. Yeah. So I get in. The, he's like, Josh, something's wrong with the car. I'm like, Oh fuck, man. So I get in it. Power steering is broken. Yep. So I'm like, Tommy, you fucking broke the car, man. You got to drive the rest of the night because I'm not gonna be blamed for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, gave the car off to him. We're driving around that night and we're driving down Atlantic Avenue, and I happen to see it out of the corner of my eye. A dude peeks his head out from behind a closed bank, and as we're coming around the corner, he pokes the head, his head back behind the thing. So I'm like, Tommy, go down here real quick. Let's check check out what's going on. Yeah. So as he's driving down the street, I can see a group of people out behind his bank. It's pitch black. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, pull up in this parking lot real quick. Let's see what's going on. So as he's pulling up, even the headlights of the car, would, could, we couldn't see what was going on. So I want to say I got a little bit complacent maybe. Hmm. I expected this interaction to go one way that normally went. We roll up in a group of guys. Somebody has a gun or drugs that guy's going to take off running. Yeah. Or somebody's going to run. Yeah. I'm gonna There's get always out. a squirter. Right, yeah. Yep. I'm going to get out and chase him. I was the runner. I figured I'd catch him. Tommy would catch up later and help me put him in cuffs to take him off to jail. Yeah. So uh, I was expecting that to go that way. Can't see shit. So Were I, you guys talking that out? Were you planning it out? Were you saying, you do this, you do that? Or was it just... No, I mean, we just... Tommy and I just had that connection where yeah. we just knew. You like, knew. Yeah. You'd done it enough, you good, and you had that confidence that it was going to go down a particular way. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So as we're rolling up, I hit the floodlights on top of the car, and that's when the night turns into day. I look up, and I see a suspect with the gun out pressed to the side of a victim's head. The victim's standing there with his hands behind his head, his pants around his ankles because they were running yep. his pockets. So my first reaction was, what the fuck? Like, I couldn't believe I was witnessing this shit. Right. So, you know, I grabbed the door handle, throw the door up in my elbow, get my gun out as I'm stepping out of the car, ready to punch out to light this dude up. In the V, right there. In the V, yep. yeah. You know, I had the perfect backstop, which was the cement parking garage wall. Yep. I had good cover with the door. I was going to shoot in between the V, the A-pillar, and the door frame. Yep. And before I could get fully up and, and fully out, I heard the first gunshot. I was so focused on where the guy was going to be when I got out of the car. Tunnel vision. I didn't see him start running to the side of me. Okay. And as he's running, he picks the gun up and just starts shooting. Backwards. Yeah. Luckiest shot in the world. If I didn't have such a big-ass head, maybe I wouldn't have got shot Yeah, if you had more of a peanut head, you would be all right, right? Yeah. So (laughs) first round, boom, I hear it, hits me in the head. 
I dropped to the ground. And now when this this shot, it's literally he's running away, not even on his sights, not nope. even anything. He's just, it's yeah. that prayer shot. Fucking 360 no scope. Wow. With the guys, the, uh, what are those uh, battlefield guys call it? What the what the uh, the video games? Oh my no god, the Call of Duty dudes. Call of Duty, yeah, yeah, they yeah. Do the literally, no yeah. Where they just shoot you without looking. Yeah, it's basically what the hell happened to me. Unbelievable. Maybe some of your viewers understand the yeah, that yeah, they no do. Scope. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, I get hit, drop to the ground, gun still in hand, my whole body's numb. Immediately numb, Immediately. couldn't feel anything. Nah. But you were completely cognizant. You could see still. You could hear. Yeah, I could see. I could hear. Taste. You were you able to speak? At that moment, no. Okay. Not until a little, like, a little while later. All right. So walk us through that then. So first gunshot. Hit the ground. Laying there. I'm like, I'm trying to get back up. I knew guys got a gun. I heard a gunshot. Now I'm trying to get back up in the fight because it wasn't just the first gunshot. It was boom, a couple more, and then I heard a succession of gunfire, which at the time sounded like automatic weapon gunfire i didn't know it was my partner returning fire okay because you know he stuck to the plan what we always planned if one of us goes down just light the motherfucker up yeah so he just boom 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 boom, boom just emptied his mag out and it sounded like an automatic weapon wow uh, i'll show you the uh the shot spotter later yeah and so i was at that moment i'm like fuck man I'm like i'm scared we're outgunned i need to get back up into this fight we need help yeah so gunfire stops then I hear my partner yelling on the radio, officer down, officer down, my partner shot. I'm laying there, what the fuck's he talking about? I'm shot. Like, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Just numb. And then. Huh. Wow. So he comes running over to me. He's Josh, Josh, you okay? And I'm trying to answer him, but I, I can't talk. Yeah. I just see the fear in his, his face is white. Yeah. He's yelling for the ambulance. Well, the fuck's the ambulance? And, you know, they're saying they're en route, they're en route. Danny and Jesse, who were a few blocks away, heard all the commotion. That was one one thing we fucked up is we didn't give out our location before we rolled up on these guys. So you could have been two man team. Yeah. Yeah, or four man team. Four yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah. So luckily, Danny and Jesse weren't too far away. They started flying towards where they last saw us, and then, you know they were the first ones on scene. They're standing around. They're like, the dispatcher says the ambulance is en route. Somebody says, they're taking too long. We got to fucking take them ourselves. So that's when they pick me up and they're trying to get me in the backseat of the patrol car. Right. And at this moment, you know, I can see the blood pouring out of my head. Yeah. But when I you're up and they're in it, they're, it's yeah, just, they're, they're trying yeah. to get me in the car and I didn't know where the hell the blood was coming from. Right. And it, it, it was just chaotic. Like they're saying, fuck, come on, do this, do this, get him in the fucking car. And yeah. And they, they were struggling to get me in the backseat of the car because, you know, three big dudes trying to get Brutal. dead weight into this, yep. you know, small space. And I'm wondering, why can't they get me into this car? Like, what's going on? Finally, they get me in the car. And Tommy climbs in and sits on my waist. And, you know, starts putting pressure on the wound to try to stop the bleeding. And yeah. He's cursing, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And he's like, Josh, Josh, stay with, stay with me, stay with me. And I'm wondering, like, what the fuck's he doing? Yeah. And first dude who's ever physically been inside of me. <laughs> Literally, in my head. In your head. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That came out wrong. <laughs> I bet it came out wrong. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he's finger banging my my hole in my head, <laughs> trying to stop the bleeding. And, uh, oh God, bless <laughs> you for making a joke out of this. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah humor's got me so far yeah. in this situation. You have so, to. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. So the car starts driving, and you know Tommy's on my waist. 
last I remember was he's fucking driving the car. So I'm thinking, if he's here, who's driving the car? So you're still trying to process things. You're, yeah. And, and you're, but is it vivid or is it blurry? I mean, is it like, whoa, what? Or is it, is it was it confusing? Was it like, because yeah, that's what I'm starting to hear. It's starting to get confusing. The blood loss is starting. You're starting to go into that hypovolemic shock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, like, I couldn't figure out why everybody was freaking out or why I couldn't move. Like, it was just the oddest feeling sensation all around physically and mentally like i just couldn't figure it out yeah so the car starts moving the guy driving was driving so erratic when he pulled up to the hospital he almost drove the car into the into the trauma In, area wow so he stops they rip me out nurses they they come they're trying to rip my uniform off and i mean i'm smacking their hands away and i'm looking at them and they're like sir please cooperate you've been shot at that moment, I'm like, where am I shot? Yeah. And that's when they told me I was shot in the head. Because before that, you didn't think you were shot. Even mm. when you saw the blood, you didn't think you were shot. It was only in that moment where you when accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And you were still trying to fight, though. and yeah, still, still yeah. trying to stay awake. Yeah. Trying to get, you know, fight. And I started thinking about my wife and kids. Right then. Yeah. Wow. What, said, what said, thoughts said, were you having? Please don't let me die. I'm thinking of my pregnant wife. Please don't let me die. I got, my, I got a baby on the way. They said, we're not going to let you die. Just cooperate. Are you saying it to them or are you saying it to yourself or are you saying it to God? To them. Okay. Probably maybe just everyone. Everyone. Yeah. My partner was there trying to keep me awake. Yeah. Josh, stay awake, stay awake. Cause I started getting sleepy, so I knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, I'm bleeding out. I'm going to die. If I go to sleep, I'm going to die. Wow. So then I started thinking about, this is another time when anger was a motivator, a great motivator for me. Yeah. I got pissed off thinking this motherfucker got me before I got him. Now I'm not going to see my family because I'm going to die. Yeah. So that anger motivated me to give me that adrenaline boost to like stay awake, just stay with it. And, you know, they rushed me into the trauma room. The controlled chaos, the nurses are running around, you know, grab this, grab that. We need this to prep them for the OR. You know, they're doing an exam on me. They're checking my eyes, my pupils. I do remember the one doctor looked like fucking Clark Kent. And I'm really? Like, yeah, I remember thinking, like, holy shit, Superman You're like, saved my yeah. Life. <laughs> You're like, sweet. Yeah, yeah Superman <laughs> saved my life. <laughs> That's awesome. So as they're cutting my, my, my Did you really, off, like, you're going, wow, that dude looks like Clark Kent. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Holy cow, that's awesome. So they cut my clothes off, and they also cut my pants off. You know, what am I thinking about? What does my dick look like right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, man. Holy cow. Yeah, there's just something about getting your clothes cut off. Oh, here. it's brutal. It's with even room, in training. Yeah, with a even room full in, of strangers. Absolutely. Even in training. I mean, I mean, I remember doing it vividly to multiple people, and they were all, and I remember the one thing that I would always do is I'd grab a little towel and just put it over, over them just to give them that sense like, oh, okay, I'm good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, wow. <laughs> so you're thinking Clark Kent, don't look at my penis. Right. And, and, and uh-oh, what else? Now what happens? Right, so... As they, they cut everything off, they put the mask on, the anesthesia mask on my face, and I could smell the gas, but I'm fighting fighting to stay awake because I was afraid to go to sleep. And I was terrified because I was telling myself, yeah. if you go to sleep, you're dead. Wow. So before I went completely under, I looked to my right, and I could see somebody standing, leaning against the wall, and they're wearing like a suit, and I couldn't see their face because their face was in their hand. And then they look up at me, and it's my brother. Wow. And he's crying. 
and he's saying, bro, keep fighting. Don't stop fighting, bro. Keep fighting. And the first time in the 12 years, so at the time was nine years since my brother died. I had, I had forgotten what his voice sounded like. Wow. Until that night. Again, that was my brother talking to me, telling me to keep fighting. So I gave a little, a little nod, took a deep breath, and then, boom, I was out. And that was it. Yeah, and then I was in a like pitch black area. I had, Let me ask you this before we get into this next phase, which is in, in my, it's really this, the one that blows me away the most, but leading up to Poor this. Poor choice of words, blowing away. <laughs> you're awesome dude oh god I'm just kidding. um yeah. had you ever had any kind of experience uh even in your pain or remembering your brother where you had a sensation he was there or around you had you ever experienced anything like that before had you ever Not. been in a situation where you felt a presence you felt any kind of supernatural experience you saw a ghost had you ever experienced not anything to, like that before not to that degree i did go to some uh two or three psychics mm -hmm. just to try and get a sense of why my brother did what he did yeah and to see you know you always wonder about the afterlife and if they're well, those happy. people that are mediums, man, yeah. that that literally can be in a room and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, there's four dudes sitting right here and they're they're pissed off and they want to say something to me." Yeah, you know what I mean. And right. so, I mean, I'm I'm you know, once I really dug deep into you know the 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 omnipotence of God, mm. <laughs> I, I started to take off the the restrictions I have and what's possible and what isn't, and especially because right. of you know we're all the shit I've seen in my life and to know that it, it, he's always there. He's with us always. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and let me ask you real quick too. I mean, at, were you, how was your faith? Cause your mom's influence and all that was your faith strong at that point where you were, did you have a relationship with God or Christ or what was going not, on? Not to the degree that my mom did. You know, she went to church when I was younger, she would bring me along to church, Yeah. but I was never really, into it or understood it yeah i was more of a spiritual believer like you know i believed there is a higher power mm -hmm. and i always believed in something yeah but i just was never religious enough to go to church to okay to all right go ahead now you so you, you just passed you you, you went this, under yeah the, so the, before i'm sorry the psychics always told me that my brother walks with me in life oh wow he's always there to protect me they all three of them told me and sure enough my brother was there at night that wow. I got shot so I go under pitch black, oh, excuse me, pitch black. And uh, as I, uh, in this pitch black area, I'm freezing cold, I'm shivering, I can feel my body shivering. Off in the distance, a little bit of ways, is these lights coming up from the ground, from the floor, whatever it was, wherever I was. So I start walking over to them, and I had enough sense of conscious or whatever it may have been to know that I'm seeing these things because I'm dying right now. I'm yeah. either dead or I'm dying. Mm hmm. So I get over to these lights and I'm standing at almost like a ledge and the lights were shining on my body and I describe them to people as in the summertime when you're in an air-conditioned building and you're kind of cold and you walk outside and get that rush of humidity over your body like it's very like inviting and just feels good. Yeah. It's exactly what the lights felt like on my body. It wow. just felt warm and I wanted to step off into, this, into the uh, lights but before I could I hear my brother's voice again bro, get back, get back, don't go, you're not ready. And then I woke up when I was, uh, when they were operating on my, on my head. I was in, it was an OR when they were doing the surgery to repair my brain. 
And I remember seeing the surgeon to my right. I could see the team around him, and then he asked for uh, suction. So I feel all this cold fluid running down my cheek, and I hear the straw behind my ear suctioning. Mm-hmm. And that was like intensely loud, right next to my ear. Yeah. And then he says, "Okay, he's been awake long enough." And then, boom, right out. out. I was out again. Okay. And then I woke up one later on in the ICU when they were extubating me. Mm-hmm. That was fucking terrifying. So, had you ever, when before in your life, when you'd heard the stories about out of body experiences or those experiences where people were, you know, in whatever space that is, that transitional space, what, what kind of mentality did you have? With I was it? I was always skeptical. Yeah, you were always like full of shit. I don't I'm believe like, it. It's all garbage. Yeah, I was always interested in it. Yeah, but I always had that like bit of skepticism, like. That really can't happen. Like, yeah. Probably bullshit. And so now yeah. you've experienced it in two significant, you know, one in a, in a, in a diluted state of consciousness with your brother being in the room and then specifically being unconscious in that, that next state, that transitional state. And, and literally, did you see him or did you just hear him or? I didn't see him. I heard him, but I saw my dad. Wow. wow. Yeah. My dad. So my dad passed away in 2013 from cancer. Okay. And, uh, he was, you know, had no hair. He was skin and bones. But when I saw him in my state of conscious unconsciousness, he was as I remember him in life, you know, full of life, muscular, hair. Yeah. But he didn't speak to me. He just nodded at me almost like, it's okay. You know, you can go. Wow. My brother was the one telling me, you know, get no, back. No, yeah. Wow, that's, that's heavy. That's heavy. Because, you, you know, you begin to dissect, you know, our sub, you know, one of the, you know, some of the great minds in, in history for, in terms of psychology, you know, Carl Jung and, and Freud, and it's all about dream and subconscious states and, and, and what that is and how we harbor trauma within those states. And here you are clearly in this, you know, life-threatening, uh, hanging in the balance state and all the pain of your life is, is becomes a significant portion of, of, of the determination of whether or not you're going to die or live. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, the, the one vision of your, your father saying, no, go ahead, come on into the light. Mm-hmm. And then your brother screaming, no, no, no. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot to wrap your mind around. I'm sure it is. Especially when it's blown out, you know, holy cow josh i love you brother (laughs) honest to god i am in love with you dude you are the funniest human being with half a brain i've ever met in my life oh my god thanks all right so you're being innovated there you're freaking out you're like this sucks what how bad what is it is it how bad am i gonna be or just ow that hurts coming out or i couldn't breathe i couldn't talk yeah and you know they had to pull this shit slow yeah it's like when you're trying to hold your breath and you're like, I, I, I got to do this or you're on the water. Like, I need to fucking get up to breathe. Yeah. It was that sense of feeling like okay. I need to breathe, but I can't. And I couldn't yell for help to tell them I couldn't breathe. And, then, you know, they finally pulled a tube out of my throat. And at the bottom of this tube was like a little balloon that was hanging. But I was so out of it that I thought they ripped my lungs out of my chest. Here's <laughs> my two little lungs hanging from the bottom of this tube or something. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. I was so whacked out of it. And then, you know, then that... ICU was like in and out of consciousness. I remember like little bits and pieces of yeah. ICU. 
But um, the craziest thing about being in, in, in a coma was. And how long was the coma? I think about a week. Okay. But um, so I was having vivid dreams yeah, man. In, in my coma. Yeah, all all the guys that I've talked to, friends or, or people we've interviewed, they talk about those vivid dreams and that, that medically induced coma is just insane. Yeah, it's nuts. So I can, apparently I could hear what everybody was saying. I just couldn't process it as if as I was hearing it. Yeah. It was just being interpreted as dreams. Wow. So if people were talking about, let's say, being at the bar, like my boys were talking about us being at the bar, you know, a few days ago. I was living that that same moment in my wow. dreams. I was dreaming about being at that exact bar with the same guys. Let me ask you this: when you when you because obviously your wife must have been there, whole yeah. next to your bed, probably yeah, was, never left your side the yeah. whole time. Do you have those dreams of her ch- talking to you, telling you stories, and all that? I have dreams about her and the baby, but yeah. never specifically like what she was saying, whatever she was saying. Yeah, okay. Cause, I mean, they initially told her that I was going to die. Wow. They said he's not going to make it to the night. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. So when she tells her story, I listen to her sometimes when she tells people the story about her experience of it, gives me the chills. Well, I can't wait to to get her on because uh, I think it's going to be just as powerful as yours for sure. Yeah, hers is, I feel, is a lot more powerful. <laughs> That's just because of your humility, but you're the one who got shot in the head, so you might be a little slower nowadays than you are before. Can I take the shots too, Dave? I can. I can be. I can crack the jokes too. My all right, my listeners. Clearly, I can take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) It's endless. It's endless, dude. All right, so better hit hard than the (laughs) thirty-eight. I don't think I can. I think I'm more like a twenty-two, like a little soft little twenty-two. so you, when when you come out of coma, you start having to deal with reality. What's all that like? So at the time, I didn't know that they had removed half my head. Yeah. I just felt... Yeah, can you describe the, the totality of the injuries? Okay, so yeah. So the bullet hit me on the right side of the head here, which damaged the right parietal lobe of my brain. Yeah. But it penetrated so deep that it's, it's still in there. Yeah. It landed about a few millimeters, they said, away from the midline of the brain. Yeah. And because of the destruction to my skull and, and the swelling and bleeding, I had to remove from this portion to the this back portion of my head. Of the skull. Of the skull. Not yeah. not the tissue, not the brain matter. No, that that's some of it's still in there. Yeah, some of it's in there. Not much though. <laughs> no, no. It's probably on the street somewhere in Lang City, I don't know. <laughs> We're in the patrol car. It's in the back of the patrol car yeah. that they still haven't cleaned properly. Yeah. We're still under my partner's fingernails. Oh! <laughs> oh! Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. disgusting, by the way, but, no, no. but very funny. All right. All right. So, and they, they, they put a plate in. Did You didn't lose... Yes. No, so I had to live for six months without a skull. Yeah. So, basically, it was just a really like caved-in part yep. of my head. The only thing covering my brain was scalp. Yeah. So I could push on my on my scalp and push on my brain, and the bullet hole was still open, so you oh, could wow. technically see my brain. Yeah, you could see the dura, which is the sac around yep. the brain. Yeah, and because uh, they weren't able to close it, because um, I guess when the bullet hits the skin, it's called bullet blast. Yeah, blasted away, so they weren't able to seal it completely. Right, so they just left it open, and you know later on, as I'm going through rehab, that actually ended up getting infected. Oh wow. Uh, so to go back to your question in the beginning i didn't understand the totality of my injuries yeah i just knew like so they call it uh, left neglect 
So to me, my entire left side didn't even exist. So I didn't even know people were like, somebody could be standing to my left and I wouldn't even know they were there. Okay. But uh, I, you know, I knew my right hand, was, which was my strong side. So everything I was doing was my right hand. They had to put a glove on my right hand because I was trying to pull the, the, the tubes out, yep. trying to get out of the bed, trying to get the fuck out of the hospital. Right. All right, so you're up, you're awake. When did the, you first have a sensation when they look at you and they your wife's there, your kids are there, or maybe just your wife and you and the doctors, and then they give you the prognosis and they tell you what your life is going to look like? What was that moment like for you? Uh, that was in the when I went to the inpatient rehab. Okay. Like I knew I obviously I knew I had been shot. I just didn't know to what degree they had you know they did the surgery and all that. In the uh, in the ICU, I didn't that didn't hit me until I got to the rehab. Okay. And that's when I actually saw what I, what I looked like. You know, I had half a head, and you know I saw my kids, and they used to have my head wrapped up because I didn't want them to see yeah the way I really looked. Right. And we explained it. We never told them that I was shot. We just told them that daddy was chasing a bad guy and I fell and I hit my head. And my middle child, being as intuitive as she is, she looked at me. She's like, daddy, when you fell, did you hit a pointy rock? Is that why your head is pushed in? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, honey, I hit a pointy rock. Wow. So that was, I spent two weeks in the ICU. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they brought me into the inpatient rehab. Right. And that's when it finally hit me that. I'm disabled now. I had to live with half a head. I had to wear a helmet any time I was up out of bed. Yeah. So like that was difficult to in the beginning to adjust to. Was it was it more of a a, a sense of of that I'm, I'm disabled. I'm never going to be the man I was, or was it more of a sense that I can't do things? What what was the what was the challenge for you? I think it was everything. Yeah. Everything, uh, you know, that I'm disabled now. I'm not going to be the same guy I was with my kids. Um, coupled with the fact that I felt like I failed as yeah. a police officer. You know, like my whole goal in life as a police officer was to come to, you know, save life, save lives, help people, but to also come home in one piece to my family. You know, I always made that promise to my wife. Yeah. I, I promise you I'm going to come home. Was how was she during all this? And I don't want to steal any of her thunder because when we get her on, but was as as obviously now you're you're battling the sensation or the the conscious uh, um, reality that man, I, I she's gonna have to take care of me. You know, was she the one that was able to turn your you around a little bit and and. Get yeah. you positive about it in some way. All right, you're gonna learn how to walk again correctly. Yeah, she, you're gonna learn. She it. pushed me so hard. Yeah, you know, there's no greater person I believe that could have been my wife in this world wow. than her. You know, God works in mysterious ways. You know, we were meant to be together yeah. for a reason, and she absolutely pushed me hard. You know, she didn't pull any punches when it came time for me to like do rehab or when I was home. Yeah, she would make me do things myself instead of you know in the beginning she did have to like help me get dressed yeah, and yeah. do all everything you know with like when i went to the bathroom which that sucked too having to take a shit and have people wipe your ass and yeah. stuff like i you know, i never pictured that in my for myself in my life now what are the extent of your injuries so because the right side of my brain was damaged the left side of my body is paralyzed okay it's like a hemiparesis i can move i can walk I just can't open the hand. I can yep. move the arm limitedly, yep. but I can't open the hand to grasp anything. Okay. 
I can force things in the hand to like open like a, a pill bottle or when I brush my teeth, you know, I hold the toothbrush with the left hand, mm -hmm. but I just can't use it. Right. And, you know, and that's neurologically. It's not, it's all brain. It stems from the injury in the brain, right? Yeah. It, it's not because any other motor skills are jacked up. It's just from the brain injury yeah, itself. From the brain yeah. Injury, yeah. All and right. Right side controls the left. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and your legs walking you had to learn how to walk again and all yeah, that what relearn how to walk relearn how to dress myself undress myself uh talk so you know i would forget words i would nod out in the middle of a conversation mm -hmm. uh, i just I had to relearn how to do everything 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 that we take for granted in life i had to relearn right. what does that say over there remember all right we got, we got plenty of time good um all right um so when did you start really noticing the depression start coming back and, uh, and, 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 uh, cause I, obviously in this capacity, it's not like you can hide it. Right. Right. You know, when we're our full, you know, selves, we can, we can bury it in different ways. Right. We that, manifest it. In that's exactly ways. what I did. I buried it for yeah. a couple of years. Did you really? Yeah. How did you do that? So I just basically, uh, Fake it till I fake it till you make it kind of deal. Like I just tried to stay positive and upbeat. You know, I had my kids, which helped make me happy. And How long was your child after that? The injury was your child born. Two weeks. Oh. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. She kept it down. She kept it together. Kept the baby safe. Kept herself safe. And, and so here her she is taking care of a newborn baby and a husband that was just shot in the head. Yep. God bless that woman. Oh, I know. Absolutely. <sighs> you She's are a lucky, lucky human being. You know that. Not only just because you survived that, but because you have that woman in your life, man. Absolutely. Incredible, wow. Man. I'm incredibly lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You're blessed. Yeah, hell yeah. Man. Yeah. And not only was she taking care of everything else, but she took care of the other two kids, me, the house, you know, housework. Yeah. Were you getting assistance from everybody? Was, did, did, did the troops come out for you? Was yeah. was everybody there and yeah, anything I ever and helping you and, and and all that? So I mean, even to this day, if I, you know, I pick up the phone like Dave, I called him last minute. Hey, can you drive me up? Because I can drive now. Yeah, but uh, coming two hours is a little yeah, much. Yeah, that's for me, long. Yeah, especially unfamiliar territory. Right. So it was kind of a little bit like nerve wracking. Yeah, my, thank my, you, Dave. My I really wife appreciate was, it. My yeah. wife was a little nervous about that too. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I would have did it anyway and figured it yeah, shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, to put her at ease, you know, she's in school, put her at yeah. ease, one less thing for her to worry about. For sure. I asked Dave to do it, and he yeah. drove me up here. That's cool. That's a good friend, man. Yeah. All right, so you're you're a couple of years into this. You've, you're adjusting to life. Your kids are adjusting to life. Um, you know, you're, you're, you've learned how to... Uh, uh, cover up the the mounting pain inside you uh, emotionally. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure through a truckload of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hell yeah, big time. Titanic yeah. size. Had, had had were you were you hitting the sauce again? Or were you on pain meds? So, were you doing all, any of that stuff as well? No. Funny thing about the the sauce is, initially when I was in rehab, you know my my buddies would be like, yeah, we're gonna come bring you know, some champagne and, and celebrate that you survived, whatever. And I'm like, yo, I asked the doctors, can my buddies bring in some alcohol so we can drink? They're like, nah, you're not allowed to drink. I'm like, why? And they said, because alcohol loves it, the seizure threshold. Yeah. Do you have a little bit of water? Yeah, absolutely, please? brother. 
You want me to keep talking? Oh, uh, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So they told me alcohol lowers the seizure threshold. They said I could drink a little bit of alcohol and up to 72 hours later I could have a seizure. Wow. So I could be in the shower, you know, have a seizure, hit my head and die. Oh my God. So they told me no alcohol. I said, all right, for how long? They said, <laughs> <laughs> what, a couple of days? Can I, can I get back at it here after, you know, after, you know <laughs> about a month or two? And you're like, no. They're like, no, never. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, how about marijuana? They're like, you can't do that either. Why? Same thing. Really? Yeah, I, thought, they, I thought marijuana actually helps seizures. It does, but they've never, there hasn't been any studies with people with TBI um, to use, using marijuana. So I said to the doctor, I'm like, I'll be the test subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's of like, course I'm not, he did. He's like, I'm not willing to bet my, my license on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm for like, sure. Come on, doc, stop being a pussy. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And he's, nah, nah. Yeah. So I'm like, so I can't drink, I can't smoke. I'm like, what else is there to live for? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, didn't, you know, I didn't deal with the sauce. I didn't you know, get the drink or anything. I just bottled it all up and tried to work through it. Well, what's crazy is, man, you, you have this lifetime, it, and, and this is going to sound a little odd, I'm sure, but you have a lifetime of being able to do that. Yeah. Right? A whole, yeah. a whole life's worth of, of bottling it up managing it suppressing it in order to function to get through that next day so almost it's like man it was a benefit in that time i, yeah, I absolutely. think absolutely yeah, yeah my entire life prepared me for the shooting and the aftermath wow you know unbeknownst to me and i've been learning resiliency my entire life up to including the the blood clots in in your skull yeah. because that those injuries could have actually been you know, adjust enough of calcification or whatever happened in, you know, that experience to yeah. be enough to, you stop know, to stop a bullet, man. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I figured, dude, I've been setting you up all day. I'm gonna set, I, might as well, I might as well set myself up for a couple. <laughs> Listen, to all these kids out there that think that get mad when their parents tell me I have thick skulls, that shit helps you. <laughs> <laughs> that's your first psa right there yeah. oh god bless you man that's so <laughs> awesome dude oh that's funny that's all right funny. so you hit a point where you realize man i can't i can't i can't do yeah, it so i you know i dealt with it for as long as i could because i, w I would constantly tell myself hey man you beat death you can beat this yeah you, know, you can get through this but i couldn't you know the hardest person to beat hardest thing to beat was myself yeah absolutely you know, everything that was going on in my head was just way too much for me to deal with when did you first start noticing the that the you know that the dial the monologue or the dialogue however you want to look at it in terms of the, the negative aspect of what you were saying over and over and over and over in your mind when did it start to where like uh oh so actually i started having um suicide ideations yeah because um you know with the PTSD symptoms of the, the anger, the rage, you know, I was channeling that towards my wife and kids at I home. Bet. You know, my wife and I would get into an argument and I would, first thing I would do is grab a piece of furniture and throw it or break it, play it. My kids, you know, being kids, they were just having fun. If they knocked something over, I'd freak out. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So in a sense, I saw myself becoming my father. Oh. And I always promised myself I'd never be like him. Oh, that, that's just painful to hear that. That must have been brutal. It was, and that's what drove me to have those suicide ideations, because I started thinking, 
my family would I'm a detriment to them I'm doing more harm than good they would be better off without me wow so when it came down to me thinking actively like every single day time I woke up to the time I went to bed thinking how can I how can I do this to not make it messy or I started thinking about where when how I was gonna commit suicide wow so my family wouldn't be able to find me and it wouldn't be messy so there wouldn't have to be a cleanup or anything and wow. that, at that moment I, I knew yeah and you were you were you mean it was like it was it, it was more than just a thought it was planning yeah, it was thinking planning. about it it was how i was going to do it yeah and it was, Re, were you researching it online and all that no i was i'm very resourceful yeah. yeah so i was trying to figure out how to do it with one hand yep so i was thinking about what could i use to do it to make it easier for me to do it yeah and where i could do it and then i started thinking what really pushed me to get help was i put myself back in my shoes when my brother died yeah you know seeing what my mom went through what my sister went through what i went through i didn't want my wife and kids to go through that wow and then you know my mom to lose another son or my sister to lose another brother to suicide yeah i didn't, I didn't want to do that wow so it was actually the sense of service or the love for your family absolutely that, and yeah it, it's funny man i you know if you've ever been in that spot where depression forces it upon you you know, you, you, you know, it, it, it becomes, and you know, you don't recognize it's, it is a selfish idea, right? It is, it's only to alleviate your own pain and and it don't, and it takes the, the reality of, or the, I don't know if it's the reality, it takes the, um, the, the comprehensive evaluation of how it's going to affect other people. And, and, you know, you, you know, you, you wonder whether it's when people do follow through with it, is it the, that they've just been so hammered by whatever pain they're in that they lose that sense of empathy towards others, right? right that yeah. they can't feel that. Like, you know, you were able to think about my mom, your mom, and, and go, God, this is going to be brutal on her. Yeah, my yeah, my daughters. You know, they're they're a little. I couldn't deal with it at 19 years old. I was a grown man. How are these little girls? You know, five and seven years old. How the hell are they gonna deal with it? No, they're not. Right. Yeah. So you know, like, why would I do something where I fought to survive for them? Why would I take myself away from them? Wow, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. So, so what'd you do? How'd you get help? So I actually reached out to Billy. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, he's the first one that I said too he took me out to lunch because he always pushed me to you know, get help get help get help and i was always you know i had that one bad experience with that fucking doctor and when my yep. brother died i never wanted help again so i'm like nobody's gonna be able to help me because nobody wants to help me yeah and i always said all right yeah yeah i'll go i'll go i'll go and he but would, that's not the truth is it no absolutely there's a, there's, not absolutely not the truth yeah no there's people out there that want to help you yeah and i did find that through billy you know i said to him billy you know i'm actively thinking of committing suicide what was that like for him at lunch you were at lunch when you're doing it and yeah. you and you told him what was that like he i mean he like understood yeah like he just he saw it but he just never said it to me yeah he, that's why he was constantly pushing me to to get treatment because he knew what i was dealing with he just never came out to say it until i opened up and said it to him wow and he was just were you scared to tell him no nah, there was just there was just something I about. There's something about Billy that I felt very comfortable. Yeah, there is with. something about him. Yeah, he just, yeah, he just has that. He disarms you. Yeah, 
And I just like, I had that love for him where I knew I could trust him and I knew he would do the right thing for me because yeah. he has from the beginning. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. To be able to, you know, get to that point where you realize I don't have the tools to take care of myself and I need someone else. Yeah, the self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's crazy, right? Yeah, and I'm lucky again in that aspect where I had that self-awareness to realize that I needed help. You're blessed, brother. You're blessed. Yeah. I mean with all of the compounding traumas that you've experienced most, you know, especially, you know, the, 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 the loss of your brother and how easily of a, a solution that could have seemed like for you, but, but to be able to get into that moment of, to, to verbalize your, your vulnerabilities, you know, real deep vulnerabilities and, and accept help, man, that's huge. And that's what we have to do every Absolutely. day. Every day we have to do that, right? Yeah, and that's what I hope to try and like accomplish in life like i always wondered after the shooting like what's my purpose in life this you know, is it bro. why did i why did i survive getting shot in the head where it's a very small percentage of people that sur survive it how small is it a quarter of one percent so it's a quarter of one percent actually survive gunshot wounds to the head yeah 90 percent of victims die instantly the 10 percent that survive that small amount of time to make it to the hospital 50 percent of them die at the hospital and in the 5% that are left over, 5% of that 5% have any quality of life. So they're either severely like disabled or a vegetable. Holy cow, brother. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason you're here. Yeah, it, for sure. It, it took me up until this year when I went away to get that treatment. It took me up until this year to realize that that is my purpose in life. Because I shared my story with people in the same rehab I was at and all the trauma that they they dealt with which I perceived as worse off than me they said I inspired them to seek more treatment and stay stronger in their sobriety or just keep fighting in life it's beautiful isn't it it's incredible our shared pain we spend so much of our lives trying to run from that pain and hide it or compartmentalize or shove it down and you know, to every every abyss of our emotional instability, and and yet it's the one unifying thing that we have, right? It's what Christ talks about. It's what it's what uh, counselors talk about. It. Hey, man, share your pain with other people, and when when other people experience pain of, especially in the magnitude of yours, it you know, it, and it seems bizarre, but man, that guy's got it worse than I do. Mine's not so bad. I can do this, or. Yeah. Or even it's like, man, theirs was so bad, but they were they were willing to go get the help, man. I could go get help too and be 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 better faster, you know. Exactly. And that's how we that's how we think, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's Can you tell me where you went and 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 how you found the place and who got you there and then what the experience was like? Yeah, so I went to Tucson, Arizona, to a facility called Sierra Tucson. Sierra Tucson, okay. Yeah, and Billy actually works for Acadia Health, okay, which, which owns the facility. Oh wow. And he, you know, worked things out where I could get in there. And they have a red, white, and blue program where they treat first responders and military veterans. And do they have facilities all over the country? That's their, I believe it's their, like, their biggest facility, but they do have smaller, like, satellite facilities. Okay. But I can't speak to... 
We'll get what Billy on. I'll, yeah. I'll have Billy on because Billy's story is pretty radical too. You know, yeah, his, yeah his, what he's dealt with. Oh my God! You know, his just his dad being what forty five years on the force in Atlantic yeah. City, and then him going on the force and all the stuff he's seen. Yeah, we'll have him on too, and then he can describe Arcadia and what they do and everything. But so you, you were you nervous to go down there, or were you relieved? I absolutely, was nervous. I bet, man. I'm flying across the country, leaving my family. Yeah, you know, basically into the unknown. And, be, and had you gotten any other counseling whatsoever up to date? No. Oh, God, brother. I mean, I did have, like, treatment in the uh, inpatient he, rehab. Yeah, which, but it's... They were only dealing with the, the traumatic brain injury, the yeah, TBI. Yeah. You know, I did have a couple of people that tried to help, but they didn't ha They didn't understand how to deal with me, the, the PTSD, like yeah. combat, PTSD, any yeah. of that. Like, yeah. They didn't know how to deal with it. So I kind of, like, shied away from going. I stopped going. Yeah. So you, you get on the flight. What did your wife say to you before you went down there? She she actually flew down with me. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, she wanted to make sure, you know, as protective as she is, Mama Bear. She yeah. wanted to make sure she saw the facility, made sure it was okay, and told them, like, this is what his limitations are. You know, this is what he needs. And the hardest part was when I got down there, you know, we said, I thought we were going to tour the campus together. but Yeah. They put me in the office to talk to the nurses about you know, to get me uh, triaged. Yeah. And then they took her around to see the facilities. And then I thought maybe I'd get to see her one more time. Mm -hmm. But then it was real quick. All right, I'm leaving. Bye. Kiss. Goodbye. And that was it. I didn't see her for a month. Wow. And, and that was it. Yeah, that was tough because they, you know, they had to protect everybody. So yeah. they took things out of my bag. Like uh, I can't put the regular roll-on deodorant on, so I had spray-on deodorant. Yeah. So they took that from me because it's combustible. Uh, what else? They took. And so you stunk the whole thirty days of your rehabilitation. No, I, had, I had to. Fight. <laughs> I, had to I had to fight to get that back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know they took my razors because they didn't want people hurting yep. themselves with them. So now they're taking all these things from me, and I'm feeling like I'm in a strange environment. They're taking all this shit from me. Yeah. Now I started like getting really depressed. So I'm thinking I'm fucking leaving this place. I don't want to be here. I'm checking myself out. Right. So one of the guys from the lodge I was at, they came in. Same guy that told me about being abused as a child. Yeah, wow. He came in. He's like, Josh, you know, we're having our, our lodge meeting. You want to come down? And I almost said no, but something in the back of my head, not the bullet, kept telling me. <laughs> <laughs> your, little, your little buddy. Yeah. Your little, do you have a nickname for it? Do you have like a little, a little name for your little friend in your head? Smith and Wesson. <laughs> because <laughs> it's schizophrenic right yeah, yeah it makes you think crazy all over the i love yeah. that that's yeah. just genius right or yeah. not yeah right. all right so so this like, little bullet is telling you go ahead and go yeah yeah just go so i'm like all right you know i'll go and then so now i'm thinking like prison mentality like i'm in with a group of guys if somebody fucking does something i'm gonna beat the shit out of them but now i'm thinking like i'm ready to fight yeah so i go to the lodge meeting and the best thing i ever did was go to that meeting because it was incredible being in that group of guys like everybody got a nickname yeah and it pertained to whether they look like somebody famous like there was one guy we called howard stern okay because he looked and sounded like howard stern and just so uh, as it went around I, I started getting more and more disarmed like listening like it was just like a joke like it was a group of brothers yeah like we're here to help each other yeah we, we all have same mindset you know we want to get help we're yeah. here to help each other right so that just from that moment forward being in that lodge helped me be there. Wow. I feel like 75% of my healing happened at the lodge. In that, in that space, just mm -hmm. around with those brothers. 
Yeah, yeah, just wow. talking, you know, shooting shit, making jokes. And and when did you start to feel like, all right, man, I, I'm going to get a hold of this thing? I want to say maybe my second second weekend. Second week. Yeah, because yeah. I went there for four weeks. Yeah, and it, so it doesn't happen overnight. You have no, to. You have to you, work towards that shit. You have to work yeah, at Yeah, but it. I, mean, I was used to working hard to overcome things. Absolutely. So I, put, I pushed through it, and their facility is just incredible. They have it down to a science. You know, they know exactly what every individual needs. You know, it's not a broad spectrum thing. Yeah, it's individual. Individual. Which it has to be. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, I, I was telling you before we came on, I had I had doc free on chris free who's you know and yeah that was an incredible and thanks brother and and you know what the program they're running at synchrony for for soft operators is the same thing right right yeah each individual has a completely different set of needs and and the process is going to be different and and that's how you have to approach this i mean you can't there is no cookie cutter approach to any of this stuff yeah yeah and and what's beautiful about it i think is when you have a group of 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 healthcare providers that believe in that that approach and that that you know and they're patient and they ca- and you feel that sense of caring that they oh, want God. you to get better you know and man that's just like you have your team it's, it's like a whole new team that is. is a part of your your growth you know that's yeah. got to feel amazing it did feel amazing it's, even thinking back back thinking back on it now it still feels amazing to know that I had that experience i met all those amazing people yeah and you know i i took a piece everybody i met there i took a little piece of them to rebuild myself yeah. basically what i did like every That's story beautiful. i heard i always said to them like i felt selfish saying it to them that i you know i took a little piece of you for myself but it's like building building a, a pyramid well, that's why that's why we share with each other though that's what you're doing right yeah, exactly. when you when you get into that space of where we truly want to share ourselves with each other right where we're sharing our life that's what we're doing we're we're taking a little chunk off our heart right or in your case your brain <laughs> i did it again yeah. dude. and we're 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 offering it you know, openly, freely, without any, without any, any uh, preconceived notion of, of expectations in return. No, here, yeah. here, my story, here, here's my struggles. Here's where I found strength to maybe it can help you. And then it just reciprocates back and forth and back and forth. And what happens in the human condition in that space is all those fears that that manifest themselves into suicidal inclinations or depression or anxiety all those fears begin to make sense for us. Right. And yeah. that's the part where we're like, whoa, now I can be, get back to my life. Right. Yeah, I'm still, every day, I, I'm still taking pieces of people. Yeah. Even just a small bit of kindness somebody shows me, you know, that gives me a little bit more strength to push forward. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, people are mean. A lot of assholes in the world. Yeah, a lot. A lot of assholes, unfortunately. But, I, you know, I, I think... There's enough. There's enough of us that that believe in 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 God's presence within each each person's soul. That you know we we can we can manage those the assholes enough, right? As long as we're willing to have the strength and the courage and the conviction to get out there and interact in this type of way, right? To interact in a way where you're you're going back to that servitude, where you want to get out there and start sharing who you are your story in order to help people in their fight you know definitely that that experience i had at in arizona it actually made me a better person of course like it, it made did. me understand why people struggle and 
do drugs and heroin and alcohol abuse like why they do these things you know it doesn't make them a piece of shit no just they're just hurting that deeply inside yeah so when you got home or did, did your wife come out and pick you up or did you no she couldn't because okay. uh she had i think she had school and she had the kids and it was really expensive to fly and she was there. carrying cancer or she was saving you know <laughs> yeah, saving you ba- know, babies, babies you know, from trees or whatever she does <laughs> yeah, on a regular building, whatever yeah. superwoman does on a regular basis yeah. yeah you know school bus on fire she picks she it picks up, it up and, yeah, yeah puts blows it out with her breath yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah. God bless you, Laura. Yeah, you know, um, incredible. So you you now you're reinvigorated. You you have a new understanding of of everything. All the childhood trauma that you're yep. reconciling. Your your understanding. Your own uh, process of of battling uh, and dealing with your post traumatic stress. As you come home, was it a whole new world for you? It was. It was actually a better world. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so reinvigorated. Because you know, they taught me how to deal with the stress that I feel at that moment instead of blowing up. They taught me how to pinpoint it and then manage it. Yeah. To like do breathing techniques, yeah, guided imagery, kind of bring myself down from that moment of explosion. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, we learn all these tools in our lives that we take for granted, right? Or, or even that we don't changing a, a diaper on a baby right um um lo- knowing how to handle or de-escalate a, a um a, a domestic abuse call um battling a child that's struggling you know in fear right we have all these skill sets uh, but the most important skill sets which are are managing our own emotional <laughs> roller coaster we're on we suck at it right yeah, exactly and, yeah something but, that we should be familiar with well you would think that hey man and that's what, I, you know, when I work with kids, that's what I'm really trying to do is is get them aware and, and, and uh, uh, understanding that, hey, fear is a definitive part of our lives and you have to learn how to manage it early on because it, it, life is hard and, and we're all going to have these traumas. You know, the, yes, there are different levels, there are different severities, but man, everybody experiences pain. And so I everybody, think it's, yes. it's, it's critical for people who have experienced it in particular someone like you josh on on your level that now that you have an understanding of how to properly do it man the work and the goodness that and and that the 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 education that you can bring to this country is is off the charts and so what's happening now for you what's your plan and what do you want to do i hope to basically do what you do yeah man motivational speaking just talking to people about getting through tough times in life and dealing with pain and just getting help mentally and physically, emotionally all over. That's cool. That's cool. And and I, I think write a book, hopefully. Yeah. And, and I think you're, you know, you're right in the perfect spot to begin that journey too. You know, I think you, you've got a great understanding of, of the totality of, of, of your experience. You appreciate the breadth of it. And also the impact that it's had on on the people in your life that you love the most, you know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to to help kind of uh, offer a little guidance for you and all that. It's not as difficult as it it's, <laughs> as it seems to be, but uh, it it certainly takes a lot of hard work. But I, I know you're you're up and ready for that. I'm ready for that, absolutely. Well, where can people pay attention to what you're doing in your life? Can they follow you on on so, social media? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. My wife, I'm not on Facebook. My wife has a Facebook that she manages. So uh, in the beginning, a lot of people yep. reached out to her through Facebook to you know to see how my progression was going. Mm-hmm. So you know, they can reach out to me on Facebook. 
Instagram. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn. What's your Instagram and Twitter for handle? Twitter, I think it's just Videl okay. 803, maybe, which is my badge number. Mm-hmm. And so I got two Instagrams. I have Robocop, <laughs> which is what they called me when I was in the uh, Sierra Tucson. Right. Because, you know, I'm pieced together. I have all different kinds of hardware in my body. <laughs> so they call me Robocop, and I have Leadhead. All right. Because the uh, bullet's in my head. Yeah, it is. You yeah. are a Leadhead for sure. That is, that is the most. <laughs> That's how I walk my head forward. Right? Yeah, that, you are the most apropos name anybody could ever have. But I'm sure we could, like, if we uh, if we uh, half a brainstormed, we could come up with, like, ten more. I'm on fire today, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's go. so easy, you know? It's so easy to just put these singers at you. Um, <laughs> well, listen, brother. Um, here's what I here's what I would love is just uh, um, first off, let me just you know say praise God that that you're still with us. I think you, yes, thank you. Uh, you know, as you know, and I've told you, I, I meet a lot of human beings around this this country, and and a lot of amazing stories. But yours is right up at at the top of that, and. And I know you struggle with sometimes uh, uh, trying to evaluate the, the the magnitude of that story in, in your life, but uh, I'm here to tell you it's it's critical. It's very important. Uh, your experiences uh, are gonna are gonna save lives. Uh, Thank you. How many that is, I don't know, but it's certainly uh, uh, I'm sure just this podcast alone, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bunch for sure. Yeah. And you should be be proud of it and. And, and continue on and, and just uh, keep doing what you're doing. And I just thank you for, for not dying, brother. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, man. man. I have I have had people tell me that I've spoken to police officers and shared my story, and I've had guys come up to me after and tell me that they've, whatever I said resonated with them enough that they're going to seek mental health treatment for themselves. And that's really the, the, the key, isn't it? Yeah. It's really the key to to recognize that mental health uh, as it relates to uh, all different types, whether you're it's childhood trauma, whether it's uh, adult trauma, whether it's you know physical trauma or traumatic brain injuries, you know we all suffer and we all there is help for all of those things. Yeah, you just got to keep your spirit strong and you know keep looking forward and have just a twisted, jacked up, dark sense of humor, man. Exactly. <laughs> that absolutely helps, and you got to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> you got any more give me like one more give me a you got any one more for us uh my license plate yeah yeah headshot <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh brother i'll tell you can i tell my tattoo idea that I, yeah tattoo yeah idea yeah that for I just came sure. up so i want to get a uh an anatomical skull with a 38 revolver shooting the skull in the same spot that i got shot yeah but instead of a bullet i want it to be a uh what's the name of the um it's a symbol of resilience, which is the... It's not the infinity sign, is no, it? No, no. What is it? So plants create this to break through, like, tough soil. Like <sighs> what, is he getting botany on me right now? No, dude? I'm no, a knuckle dragger, bro. What are you trying to do <laughs> to me right now? How the hell am I supposed to pull that one out? Oh, man. Anyway, it's so plants, when they're like a weed, if they're trying yeah. to break through hard soil their roots create a um a, a corkscrew almost right yeah similar yeah. yeah all right so it's almost like a screw going into your head and a tattoo 
kind of, but not an actual screw, but it's a symbol of resilience. Yeah. So, you know, the bullet made me resilient is what I wanted. Hell to yeah, you know? dude. That and everything else you've gone yeah. through. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, where are you going to put it? Are you going to put it on your butt? Are you going to put it on your chest or on your head? You'll put it on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, send us a picture, dude, and I'll post that all over the place. Yeah, I gotta, I'm going to put it on this arm so I can finish my sleeve. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Josh, thank you, brother. God bless you. Thanks, man. God I love you, man. It. Tons. Appreciate everything, man. Yeah. To all the listeners, thank you, guys. And always keep fighting, no matter what happens. Bodies can be broken and rebuilt. Spirits are much harder to break, and their strength is contagious.